0: Hey everybody, good morning. Thank you so much for joining me. This is Harriet Cameron with Down to Earth, the showing which we talk about the issues that matter, and it's Thursday. Am I correct? It's Thursday, right? Yeah, it's Thursday. Uh, might be having a little difficulty here uh, because the week is moving too fast, <laughs> and I don't like it. It's Thursday, and it's weird till Thursday, so I'm all bedecked in teal jewelry, right? Like my necklace, don't you just love it? Just all bedecked in teal jewelry. Sometimes a girl just wants to have fun, right? Just want to have fun. Girls just want to have fun, right? You just want to have fun with being a girl and, and so on. I know most uh, TV anchors that you're used to, I'm not one of them, are kind of stiff because they are embodying what they have been told to do, that uh, that you you to be taken seriously, that you need to, be state and so on. For me, I just kind of let my personality hang out there a little bit. Yeah, because I think that's what it's all about anyway, right? I'm just me, right? So today's Thursday, it's Weird Teal Thursday. And I know most of you guys are probably like, I don't know that I wear teal. And especially as we're approaching March, so it's going to be St. Patrick's Day in a couple of weeks, right? And we all wear green on St. Patrick's Day. I probably will wear green. This year, I'm pretty sure my my, uh, Irish ancestors are probably, like, screaming because I rarely ever wear green during St. Patrick's Day. Why? I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) So the other day, somebody reminded me, and I'm like, oh, okay. I'll try to remember. So I'm a person. I'm a multi-ethnic person, so I, I have mixed heritage, and I love it, right? Don't you just love how people get together and then we make human beings and we all come out looking a little different right so today on our show we're going to talk about one of these things that uh impact uh women especially and uh it's a sensitive subject so if you have a wife or girlfriend or if you have a daughter or if you yourself are a woman this is something that you're probably going to find that concerns all of us so I want to talk about uh, unconsented pelvic exams. It's happening a lot. sucks, but it is happening. And it is happening when we are not, those and unaware. And that's not fair. Is it fair? I don't think so. Do you think it's fair? No. So I want to ask you guys, if you're a guy and you're going for a standard procedure, like you're going to, uh, you know, complain that you need a, a something in your throat, your throat examined, and then they tell you that they have to put you under anesthesia. And then you wake up to find that the doctor had actually probed your anus for a rectal exam. How would you feel as a guy? Because he told you it wasn't medically necessary. So you went in for something in your abdomen, God forbid, and then they probe your genitals. Would you like that? Or let's put it this way. You go in for something with your abdomen and the doctor examines your penis, and you didn't know that. And you wake up feeling sore, and you're like, what the heck happened? And they tell you, well, we have to take a look at your penis to see. Would you guys like that? No, I know you guys right away started covering your genitals because it felt uncomfortable. Well, that's how we women feel. That's what's happening to us. And, and lately, we've been uncovering and talking about bias in health care. And in uncovering bias in healthcare, it runs the gamut of whether it's racial, socioeconomic, right, or just gender bias, period. And what we're finding is that there are biases in healthcare, which is sensitive to all of us because we go to the doctor when we are what? Most vulnerable, right? We go to the doctor when we can't help ourselves. We don't know, you don't know what's going to happen. And if they recommend a surgery or a procedure, And suddenly you find yourself literally at their mercy because they knock you out. So there's no one else, there's no one in the room to advocate for you. There's no, and they can tell you anything they want to tell you that it was medically necessary and you don't really know after you wake up. So informed consent about gynecological exam and unconsented pelvic exams is becoming more and more frequent. And a lot of women probably, like everything else, it feels like rape, it feels like, it's very sensitive, and you feel powerless. Just It's just like sexual assault. So you wake up and you find out that it happened to you, and you don't want to talk about it because sometimes you're vulnerable. Let's say you have to go back to that healthcare facility again. You don't want them to knock you out or kill you, so most people walk away not talking about it because, again, it's something that is riddled with, it's very, very personal. It's riddled with shame, and it's riddled with how you feel. It's so deeply personal. Right. I don't want to talk about it because I I, I don't know that I would be comfortable with it. That has not happened to me yet. Right. But this is why I try to find a doctor whom I am comfortable with, whom I can rely on and whom I can best assess, will not do something to me when I'm most vulnerable that I can't help. And one of the things that this is uncovering is that there are disparities in the delivery of health care. We knew this, but we didn't want to acknowledge it. If you have private insurance, they treat you much better than if you are on public assistance. If you're on Medicaid or some Medicaid-driven plan, health care plan, they treat you differently. The health care providers treat you differently. Imagine that. That's a stereotype and that's a bias, don't you think? Imagine that you're on public health and uh, you go to the doctor and they're going to treat you badly because of your insurance status and disparage against you as a human being. Even though you are presenting the same symptoms as someone who has an insurance coverage that covers more, they're going to immediately assume and assign you a status based on that. That's implicit bias. These unconscious stereotypes that we all have that we're not aware that we have. These things need to stop, and especially in healthcare, uh, we we probably need an overhaul. and probably need to examine the delivery of healthcare across the country. I wonder if when people are going to medical schools, I'm beginning to wonder, what on earth are they teaching these people? What on earth are they telling medical students? So much so that when they graduate from medical schools and start practicing, they're telling them that. There is this one, this group of people needs to be treated better, and this group of people don't deserve to be treated better. In one part of the story that I read, in one story I read, uh, a medical student in Pennsylvania, right, Uh, uh, there were two clinics. One clinic uh, across the street dealt with people who had private insurance. The other clinic dealt with people who were on Medicaid or some form of state-assisted health care. And the people who were at the clinic across the street, obviously that clinic looks better and blah, blah, blah. They didn't perform unconsented pelvic exams on them. In fact, those people at that clinic were not treated by medical students. The people at the other clinic though, they were treated by medical students and they performed unconsented pelvic exams. You know what that is, unconsented pelvic exam? An unconsented pelvic exam means that they are touching your genitals, and they're teaching students how to push. I'm going to read it to you. One medical student said while the patient was out, he put his hand in the patient's vagina. Are you all hearing me? He said, one medical student, I'm disgusted by this because it's almost as if you're a scientific experiment and your body has become a tool. In in the past, some medical doctors have said, well, if you consent to treatment from a teaching facility, chances are you are going to be treated by a medical student. Okay, fine. But don't put your hand up in my body. First, let me know and let me consent to it. Because who knows? This explains why people wake up going for a a surgery and then you come out and you find you can't get pregnant afterwards. All of a sudden you have all kinds of other issues that you didn't go into the surgery for because while you are under, they're probing you and pushing their hands up in your body. So I want to ask who the hell lets them get away with it. In fact, some laws across the country are changing. In 15 states, the laws have changed and they are now requiring... That you must that, that physicians must have informed consent. Can you imagine you take your daughter? Let me tell you what happened to me. Uh, my oldest daughter, when she had just turned 18, right? I took her, she was in college. I think she was she had just started college, she came home and it was time for I said it's time for me to turn you over because you're now over 18, you're, you know you can consent to your own now and so on. No, she ha- no, she wasn't 18 yet. That was the key. She had she was on the brink. She was 17 into 18. I took her in for, uh, for for a gynecological exam because I'm like you're getting older. It's time. Hey, good morning, right? And I said so when we went to the doctor, they, they, the 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 gynecologist for the primary care referred us to so the gynecologist. The gynecologist said, uh, discuss HPV vaccine. You all know what that is. My daughter was about to go to college. At the time, the HPV vaccine did not have enough medical – it didn't have enough studies or it didn't have enough research to tell me what the long-term effects are. I don't like using – if the vaccine has been studied and there is a history, then I'm good with it. But HPV vaccine, uh, I wasn't so sure about that. I thought they were just pushing it to make money. It didn't seem like it was something, right? So I told the doctor I I needed to step out of the room because my daughter was going to be examined. I wanted to give her her privacy, right? I'm being a parent. I wanted to give her her privacy because you know you've taught them good touch, bad touch. So they know by the time they're 17, they're well aware, right? Would you believe I stepped out of the room? And that dumbass doctor, that wicked ass doctor gave my daughter and the HPV vaccine. Did I just tell her I don't want my daughter to have it? She convinced my daughter that because she was going to go to college, she could contract HPV because college students apparently just randomly have sex. When I came back in the room and followed, I raised holy hell. I don't know what happened to the, the eventually I think that doctor uh, encountered some issues with the, practice that she was a part of because I gathered that I was not the only person whom she was likely doing that with. Sorry. <laughs> my device needed charging and I didn't realize it. Right. And I have to get my stuff. Right. I kid you not. As you can see, this is live and it's interactive. So I'm on my own today. So God bless me. <laughs> right. And can you believe it? The doctor, actually, she actually did Man, I complain. I read Holy hell. I'm like, why would you do something like that without my – I told you explicitly I did not want my daughter to have that, right, because there were not enough studies. And I knew what I was talking about. I said they had just introduced it about six years before or less, and I didn't think that at the time they, there, were enough, uh, there was enough data to track how, what kind of long-term side effects that these things have. Sometimes the side effects on these things are irreversible. This is not like your regular random uh, garden variety flu shot or garden variety shot against malaria or something that we now have decades of of irrefutable evidence for study to say that, well, you can go take the malaria or measles shot because, chance, nobody has died from it. You see what I mean? This was HPV vaccine that is, is elective. It's not even mandatory because... You don't have to, depending on who you are, right? And would you believe the doctor did that? I raised so much holy hell. My daughter, when she became an adult, eventually changed doctors. She was like, uh-uh, this is what happened. And the doctor I now recognize, by the time that happened, I began to see her as someone who was arrogant and who perhaps, because of their training, think they're God. Because they're touching your body, they're pushing their hands up inside of you. Right, they're they're operating on you, cutting your skull open, cutting your chest open, doing all kinds of stuff. They, I think doctors tend to think they have a god, they have a godlike presence, don't you think? They think they're gods. Nothing ever happens to them. They, you come to them and you're sick, right? But that doesn't mean that you have the right to examine someone when they're out. And I'm asking you guys that: How would you feel if you go into the emergency room because you're complaining about some abdominal pain, and while you are out and under, they stick a tube up into your penis or strip your penis or do whatever they do. And you wake up and you're like, oh, that feels uncomfortable. You went in for something with your abdomen or you went in for something with your chest. And now next thing you know, they have violated your privacy, overridden your own consent. So now a number of states are saying, wait just a minute, this is rampant. What we are finding is that medical students are primarily the, the, the gifters at this. They're the ones who are instructed to do this because a regular doctor knows that a full-fledged physician knows he really should obtain consent. One woman in the story said she went into the, 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 the hospital because she was having surgery on her abdomen. She was vomiting uncontrollably. Listen to this. She was vomiting uncontrollably and went into the emergency room. Are you listening? Vomiting uncontrollably. Where does the vomit come from? Your stomach. She told them. They asked her if she would consent to a pelvic exam. She said no because she was a sexual abuse survivor as a child, and she's celibate. And she does. She it triggers memories of her. So please don't examine me. When she woke up, she found herself with her legs in stirrups, and the doctor had a, a, a the spectrum the the, the cold thingy. Inserted inside her vagina She woke up out of sedation She was unbelievably uncontrollable Because she did not consent to it Of course the university won't give the, the clinic, they won't say what happened in that Because they can't talk about patients' privacy But she said she did not consent to it She filed a lawsuit Because she had triggers, right? Uh, you, 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 do you see what I'm saying? So uh, we need to talk about this. In the U.K. last year, a consultant was dismissed for misdiagnosing pelvic floor issues, performed unnecessary surgery, private prosecutions. Show- oh, my good Lord. Are you kidding me? Oh, my good Lord. This is the thing that I say, poor girl, yeah. And, and do you, can you see, my friends, that sometimes this is, is what happens now. When people perhaps go through these situations and then you, you you find yourself, I don't, I'm terrified that something like that could happen, right? Because listen, you go into the surgery and you're out, you're vulnerable. And at that point, your, your patient advocate is not in the room with you. And they can say that while they were examining you, this became medically necessary. But in this case, in many cases, what we saw were people were going in for regular stuff, but they were instead examining them. I just read to you one medical student said the patient was out and anesthetized, and he put his hand up in her vagina. So what they're doing is if the patient comes in and the patient is out, the person is out, even if they're doing surgery on the upper part of the body, they're still examining because it's a teachable moment. So a woman's vagina is a teachable moment. This stuff got to stop, right? It is assault. Thank you. That is assault. And that's the grounds for which most of these women sued the hospitals and then had to, listen to this, it just gets even worse. Then they chose to testify in front of men in Congress in their state for the laws to be applicable. It's like the assault just keeps going over and over. This is particularly of interest to me because I'm a sexual assault survivor myself. And if I were to go pray for me, all because maybe when I wake up, I wouldn't be this calm, right? If I had to go in for some type of surgery and I'm out, and then I woke up and found that my body had become a science experiment for people, every one of those suckers would be sued. Trust me, not only would they be sued, I don't know if they'd have a license by the time I'm done with them. It's just unbelievable the kinds of, the, 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 there's no empathy. It's just unbelievable how people with rapaciousness just overtake people without power. They wouldn't do that on Michael Bloomberg. They wouldn't do that on Trump or none of Trump's children. Why are, is the medical system so geared towards implicit bias and just is a practice of power? Oh, just so you know, these women who came forward, mostly white, because women of color are so used to this happening to them. They think it's normal. So they don't step up to complain because it's personal, violates your personhood. But they become so used to this, they won't even complain. Well, you know, well, I have a big mouth, so I just talk. Right? If I'm going to post the link to the story. This was on the New York Times. And I was, I was, when I read it, I kept doing this. I was touching my, you know, like, am I okay? Like, could this have happened? And I feel vulnerable because I have daughters. And I'm like, what if? I got to know I'm going to have to ask my daughters if, if, if you know, what happens. Because it, 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 it is very important that you know the healthcare professional whom you're dealing with. Like I was telling you guys yesterday, I took my daughter in for to the doctor because she had the runny nose thing. And the doctor asked her if she can If she can examine her, my daughter said, no, she can't deny it. The doctor said, okay. The doctor said, no matter how you feel, mom, I can't touch her. If she says no. And my daughter just sat there preening like a princess. I I was just looking at her like, but it underscores how the medic, that medical professional, you see how she viewed her role? She said, I cannot examine this young woman at 17 because she says, No. And that was the end of that. That was the end of that. You see what I'm saying? So I want, I think all of us, so you guys, I know you're feeling for us now, and you're all shaking your heads like, man, you go home and ask your wives and girlfriends and your friends and your sisters and so on. Because as men, when you find out the extent to which, we women get violated, you're going to start wanting change. And just think about it. If you have a daughter, let's say you have a daughter. Let's say your daughter is under 20. You know she's still your baby girl, right? So you still remember her as a baby. And you're looking at her like, you mean to tell me when I send her to the doctor? And you stop right there. You're not going any further because guess what? Y'all know what you guys would do, right? Y'all know how you feel about that. But that it happens to us. That's what happens to us. So you go in, in these scenarios, what was remarkable is that these women were anesthetized. They were under anesthesia, you all. Icky, isn't it? It's also terrifying to think that while we are most vulnerable... That is when the medical professionals, whom we trust to take care of us with empathy and compassion, is when they deem us as a giant science experiment, is when they look at us like your life doesn't matter. You're nobody. You're a nothing. Right? They have destroyed, uh, listen to this one. Uh, In the UK last year, a consultant was dismissed. This is one of my viewers on YouTube. This is horrible. He was dismissed for misdiagnosing pelvic floor issues, performed unnecessary surgery. And what he did, he inserted a mesh for pretend prolapses. Prolapses is when the walls of the uh, the uterus collapse, and uh, it, it causes uh, urinary issues, right? It causes urinary issues. So they put in a mesh to hold it up, but that mesh ends up giving people uh severe problems later in fact there was a class action lawsuit here in the united states about that because a friend of mine's mother was treated with that and it gave her all kinds it made her so unwell because the mesh penetrated the walls of her uterus gave her pain and infections that they couldn't figure out they eventually had to have surgery to uh, remove the mesh all she was complaining about was that she was being off well she's older they could have done things that they could have taught her exercises that could have helped her retain some level of feeling in her bladder. If it gets that bad, there are other remedies they could have chosen. But they installed the mesh. So in this case, this consultant examined the woman. Cause it sounds like what happens is while they're performing these unnecessary, unconsented exams, they do what? Their students, guess what happens? They make mistakes. In making mistakes, they have to repair the mistake, and now it becomes a bigger issue because what? She didn't consent to it, right? Or she could wear a diaper; it's not needed. Hello, she could have worn a diaper. Hello, thank you. Have some compassion for people, right? Why you could? And she was older, and I even said to my friend, "Why didn't you get more, uh, you know, get a second opinion before you do the surgery? I mean, your mom at the time, her mom was in her late 70s. I'm like." You know, there are other things you could have done. You know, why would you make subject her to that kind of invasive surgery that ended up costing her, almost cost her, her life? You know, they actually diagnosed her with cancer and <laughs> thought she had cancer when it was in fact the mesh that had penetrated the walls of her, her uterus that was presenting as that. Oh, my God, it was a nightmare. It was a total, total nightmare. And shocking because she was like, oh, my God, I took my mom to the best, you know, paid out of pocket for all of this, took my mom to the best healthcare care people in Atlanta and blah, blah, blah. I said, listen, there is such a thing as they see you as an experiment and they are going to do whatever they feel they should do in their arrogance. Do you remember when we used to go to the doctor and we used to thought the doctor was arrogant? That arrogance has not left. They still think that they're still arrogant. They still think that they can do things and get away with it. This is why maybe, thank the Lord, uh, I haven't needed any kind of invasive surgery. Thank God I pray over myself every day and thank God for what my body that works beautifully and works in motion. We all should. Because you recognize, we all recognize now that we are terribly vulnerable. Right? Uh it, 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 and you're right, Trevor, you're right. Robert, you're so right, right? These things, it's, it's crazy, isn't it? Un, just simply unbelievable that these things continue to happen to us. And we have to, it, it, it's almost, you say, I, I advocate for you to have a healthcare advocate, right? So if you're going to go through any kind of medical procedure, have a healthcare advocate. When you go to the doctor. And they're asking you to fill out a form that says, who else can be informed of your medical condition? Don't, don't overlook it. Fill it out to someone. Attach someone to that so they know. Because that person, you're empowering that person now to ask questions. And get informed consent. Use this term. What did I say? Say it. Informed consent. Say it. Informed consent. If you go to the doctor... And they say, well, we think we see something in your heart or you have a blockage or whatever. Just say the magic words, informed consent. They'll be like, huh? Informed consent. Is there a form there I need to sign? Make sure that form has the words informed consent on it. Cause I'm not consenting to any surgery or any procedure that I don't know about. That way, when you wake up and something is wrong, you can ask questions and file a lawsuit and friends, Do not hesitate to hold them accountable. Filing a lawsuit is not for monetary compensation or monetary recovery, especially if they've done something that is irreversible. Like in one case, they literally uh, affected the woman's ability to, to, to have children. Some of these surgeries are what? irreparable. You send a student to go feel up in someone's vagina, and then they cut something that they shouldn't cut and say, oops, my bad, I made a mistake. You made a mistake that, as you say, Trevor, Robert, has affected someone's life. It's irreversible. How do you send it? It's a teaching hospital. So you send someone in there and you probe somebody's body. One student in the study said that he knows that uh, they look at for informed consent, but half the time, the medical students don't bother. Because... They're, you know, it's like adrenaline junkies. They get high on the power. And they get high on the fact that they know so much about the human body. It, They literally think it makes them powerful. And you and I are sitting here like, what the is going on? We're literally sitting here like, seriously? So you mean to tell me that I'm nothing but a giant turkey experiment? And my body is nothing but a giant turkey for them to insert a turkey baster? You want to know what it's like to be uh, – this is why I don't understand sometimes how there are certain people who are, were born men but want to be women. I'm like, what do you find so fascinating? Here's what happens when you go into the doctor for for a pelvic exam. You have no dignity. That you strip your clothes off, which is stripping off your identity and your personhood and your individuality. You put on a hospital gown, right? That has no back, <laughs> It's no online because they want to have access to your body, right? And then they make you open your legs. One, My grandmother used to say one, in, one at the east, one at the west. And they're probing inside it. And while they're doing it, there are like three other people in the room. Feels like rape or sexual assault. But at least in that scenario, you have given consent. So they're looking for whatever it is that you are complaining about. In the story that I just told you about this young woman in Utah, she went in because she went into the emergency room because she was vomiting uncontrollably. Right? When she woke up and the doctor was had her two legs, one at the east, one at the west, and he was probing her. You know what he was looking for? To see if she according to him, he was looking to see if she had a sexually transmitted disease. She told him that she was celibate and that she had issues as a sexual assault survivor. So she did not consent to a pelvic exam. But he did it anyway while she was out. And his excuse was he was, look, he thought that her symptoms mimicked that of a sexually transmitted disease. That's how he thought he could get away with it. You know what saved her? They had done what? Blood work on her, and the blood work came back negative for any sign of sexually transmitted disease. Are you all hearing me? What does that tell you? Silence. I just let the radio silence just sit there for a minute. Unbelievable is all you can say. And she woke up. And it was hell on earth for that medical facility after that. But it's, it's, it, it's, it's the penetrative and disruptive. It's disruptive to our psyche. And what it does is it destroys our trust in the medical pro establishment. Because now you and I are going to kind of go in there kind of jaded. Like, hmm? what did you say? Right, because you don't know. They, they look at you and they perceive you based on your insurance. That's the first thing. And I've noticed that people in, why is it, is it just me or have you found that people in doctor's offices sometimes are not the nicest, right? And at the urgent care, in, in America, we have things called urgent care. I imagine you have them too. They're supposed to be, they're supposed to prevent people from going to the emergency rooms. So if you have an issue that you think you should go to the emergency room, you can go to an urgent care that are supposed to apply some level of care that mitigates whatever you have most people just go straight to the emergency room because as far as i'm concerned at the hospital they can run more tests they have all the equipment anyway so if you feel it's that bad and you can't wait for a doctor i'm like go to the er they can run more tests i don't have time to go sit at the urgent care and then they tell me they have to send the test out and wait for it to come back i might as well have gone to the doctor right so when you look at how and, and the medical profession and medical professionals tend to view the public through the eyes with great disparity. They tend to view you based on your economic uh, perceived economic status, your 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 color, your ethnicity, your race, and your, they have all that time to figure out who you are, where you come from, where you live, and how much money you have before they decide to touch you. Uh, I don't know if I told you the story, but years ago when my youngest daughter was born, I lived in central Florida and I didn't know that it was a teaching hospital. I went to Florida hospital. I didn't know it was a teaching hospital. And uh, when my doctor uh, came in, my OBGYN came in, he brought in a young intern. She was Indian, a dark skinned Indian woman whom he said was going to attend with him and assist him. She did not touch me at all, or she did not want to touch me. And as much as I was floating in and out of consciousness because I was severely drugged, I remember him telling her that you have to touch the patient, but something about her would not touch me. And uh, she, uh, when the baby was coming out, she did not grab the baby. I had to grab the baby. Well, you know, as much as I was out, you're all fainting at that now, aren't you? Because I didn't want her to fall because she would have been hurt. Right? And I remembered it. When I finally woke up out of all that drugs, you know what happened? That doctor was removed from the hospital. He eventually retired. And I don't know what they did with the intern. I just said, if she ever comes near me or any of my family members again, I'm going to file a lawsuit. I don't know what they did with her, but the doctor had to retire. He was pushed into retirement because I filed a formal complaint with a hospital. Do you hear what I'm saying? I didn't realize at the time, it was afterwards that one of my neighbors who happened to be white explained to me that that was a case of implicit bias, Harriet. She said, if that happened to you, you need to, you, you know, make sure you talk about it like you're doing. Unbelievable. So we have these suckers who come into our country, right? Come into our society to get trained. And these people actually are walking around believing that they're better than you. And they're not going to touch you or they can treat your body like it's a... So I'm saying to all of you, if you have... If your parents, your mother is alive, especially when they perceive that you don't have... Uh, family members who are involved in the care, you better make arrangements. Call up your mom after this and ask her, when was the last time she went to the doctor for a procedure and who were the doctors? And let them know you're, I want to know what's happening to my mom. Tell your parents to make sure that you are included in the family of people who ought to know what kind of medical procedures they will get through. If you have, if your parents are here with you. Look at me, do it. Ask questions my mother went in for surgery at the hospital where she worked and when mom came out of the surgery she was sick and had fever after four or five days i'm like this thing is it it looks different i wonder if you got a staph infection and they she called the hospital and called the doctor and they're like well you need you're taking your antibiotics after the surgery and i was like wait just a minute did you get antibiotics after surgery I said they didn't give you antibiotics after surgery. Why wouldn't they give you antibiotics after they cut your body? So mom got so sick I took her back to the hospital. Guess what? She had a staph infection that she developed in the hospital because they probably used unclean instruments. By this time it was five days after the surgery. What do you think my face and voice looked and sounded like? I threatened them with a lawsuit. I threatened to call the news cameras down there, and that's how they got her back into surgery to correct it. She would have died from a staph infection. To this day, my family members still say, if you had not been there, what would have happened? We would have lost mom just like that and not know why, because they would have lied and covered it up. So I am saying to all of us, we need to be aware. If your parents are alive, And you care about them, which you do, because you. as soon as I'm talking about this, some of you are are like about to text mom and dad right now. You're about to say, by the way, what kind of mess you're on? (laughs) Who's your doctor? Am I on the list? Did you put me on the list as your responsible party? Am I the person they're supposed to call? As a matter of fact, don't even go to the doctor without me knowing. I know you're busy and you have busy lives with your own families and children in school, you got to be involved because this is going to affect you when it's all said and done, and you're going to be impacted by this, and you're going to feel guilty that you were not as involved as you should have been. And sometimes, let's face it, our parents don't even want to say anything because in my mother's case, because she worked there, she had confidence and trust. In the people whom she worked with, she was pretty sure they would never have done anything that could have hurt her. In fact, she didn't even want me to complain because she was like, I don't want you to make a big deal out of it. And I'm like, it is a big deal. You could have died. I said, what would they have said to me? And I did make a big deal about it. Oh, did I ever go to town on it? I made them look like crap. I talked to the vice president, came down that day, and I'm like, are you kidding me? I don't give a shit who you think you are. I literally said that. I said, you're going to fix this before I call Channel 2 down here right now. And I picked up my cell phone. I was looking for the number to call Channel 2. I said, you've got to be kidding me. I said, this must happen. I said, if this happened to my mother who works here, this must happen a lot. So I am going to call them so they can expose how many times your hospital has done this. I am telling you, friends. When it comes to medicine, do not take anything for granted. Get involved. If, if your husband or your wife is going in for a medical procedure, go with her. Ask the same questions. Who is your responsible party? Am I your contact person? Ask questions. Go with them and ask the questions. If it makes them uncomfortable to so explain it to you, that means they're hiding something. Then something is very wrong. Ask the questions. Probe. Ask the probing questions. And if the more uncomfortable they are, the more you know something is wrong. And if you're not satisfied, call the insurance company and ask them if I can switch this provider out. I'm not comfortable with them. Be proactive because the life you save might just be yours or someone you care about and love. You can't just sit back. It doesn't matter. And, and listen, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter who you are. You have to. You can't just sit back and assume that there are some things that they're just not good. Because that was my mother. She's like, they're not going to make a mistake like that. And I'm like, yes, they do. And people die every year, and they cover it up as on the death certificate because they're the ones explaining how the person died. And they don't get accountable, get held accountable for the stuff that they do. And most of you are all, all looking at me like, that is how I felt. The more you know is the more you know. You have to ask questions. Have you ever asked your the, the pills that they give you? It's like I went to the doctor and my daughter was complaining about the nasal drug. And the, the doctor said, well, look at it this way. If it is not yellow and it's still just clear, just let it keep draining. Just use nasal spray. Well, one of these nasal sprays, Flonase, was on recall. Do you all know that? So, this was about two years ago. She was prescribed Flonase. For some reason, I remembered that it was on recall. And the, the pharmacy, the doctor prescribed it. The pharmacist completed the prescription. And still, but when I got home, I got a letter saying that Flonase was on recall. I threw that thing up. Because it's known to have It's side effects. Just get a regular saline drip with just saline water, right? That triggers your nose into, it triggers the sinuses to come down. And especially the rest of us who live in very cold areas, it it happens at this time of the year. The body's warm, but the temperature is cold, so you're trying to, your body's trying to cope with it, right? You see what I mean? It's the craziest thing ever. Isn't it a lot for us to keep in mind and a lot for us to, to figure out? How, in Vicken's name, can you go into the hospital because you're uncontrollably vomiting and they you wake up and find the doctor, one foot east, one of your legs is east, one of your legs is west, with a spectrum in, in, your, um, uh, in, in your vagina examining you because he thinks that you might have a sexually transmitted disease. Even though you said up front that you're celibate, he's still examining you without your consent. Ladies and gentlemen, imagine what else they do. Y'all still try to take your DNA, don't you? Mm-hmm. You're still submitting your DNA samples? Mm-hmm. Okay, keep doing this. Good thing, huh? Mm-hmm. Is it? Keep doing it. You think they're not studying it? You think now that they have your DNA, you think they're not have it in DNA databases right across the country or across the world? So they know who you are, where you come from, what kind of diseases you're most prone to have. Wait, give it five years or less. They'll start coming up with people with this strain. People with this mix are less prone to having certain kinds of diseases. Oh, you think it's a joke, huh? You think it's cool. Everybody at the office is, yeah, I did my DNA and I found I'm this and I'm that. All you have to do is really look in the mirror and <laughs> you can tell. <laughs> right? Is there stuff hidden in your DNA? Maybe it should stay hidden, right? I'm not that curious. I'm serious. I'm not that curious. I have an oral tradition that was passed down to me. They told me, if I want to find out more, I can go find out more. I'm good. I am not submitting my DNA to these databases because, for instance, have you ever donated blood? Let me set you up. Let me tell you why I distrust the system in this regard. (laughs) Years ago, I donated blood to, you know who, the national organization that, okay. And they, I was working somewhere and they came and everybody was going to donate blood. And I, I was like, no, I have that blood type that is a universal donor blood type. So my blood type is always in demand. They always want my blood type. But me, I don't want to donate blood. So finally, everybody around me was getting up to go do it. But before you donate, they test your blood, right? And most people, much to their shock, could not, they wouldn't accept your donation because they didn't have enough iron or whatever. When they checked mine, mine was optimal. They're like, what do you eat? Usual question. I donated blood. I I swear to God, they took more than they should. I was so weak. I ate steak for a whole month. I, I kid you not, one whole month. I ate steak for breakfast, steak for lunch, steak for dinner, because I felt like I was weak. And I'm like, why do I feel so weak, right? So I went to my doctor and I'm like, I donated blood and she laughed. I said, that tells me enough. I said, never again. Now, I ended up in their database. I had to block their number. They call from another number. I had to go in my email to block them. They did not stop emailing and calling for me to donate blood. I will never do it again. This is why I know I am putting myself in a national DNA database. I don't want them come searching for me if something goes wrong. I don't know about you. Maybe you are bold. I don't want to be an experiment. You know that country over yonder? The one where the coronavirus comes from? You know they're doing bad things to their people. At least over here, we have a modicum of decency that will stop them from doing it in a mass way. But still, when they're behind closed doors and they feel arrogant, they execute policies and unsuspecting procedures on people at their most vulnerable moment, you think I'm going to trust them? I'm not. I'm not. God help us all. I pray that for all of my days and for the rest of my life, I live healthily and walk uprightly. I pray that nothing ever happens to me. I pray the same thing for you. And I pray that it never happens that I have to ever go in for any kind because I do not trust them. Because if these women could walk in just doing simple procedures and found out after they woke up, one woman woke up and found that they touched her and then told her she had a vulvar sensibility. She never had it before. She went in because she had pain in her abdomen. Your abdomen is up here. They cut you at the navel. What the heck were they doing near her vulva? Because they were—they probed her with when she got the when she sued and she obtained the report. They probed her while she was out. They probed her, and she didn't know. They had hands in her, feeling her ovaries. Good God Almighty! All in the name of science. So you're still going to submit your dna to dna databases and think that it's not science have fun as for me nah. if they get it they get it illegally or it's one of my children who does it but me i, I even told my children i said don't do that stuff don't involve me <laughs> right i said i'm good i know who i am i'm good right So I'm saying to all of us, let me read you some stuff that I found out, right? A 2005 survey at the University of Oklahoma found that medical students performed pelvic exams on three out of four unconscious patients with no informed consent, 2005. Hello. It's typical for medical students to perform unauthorized pelvic exams on unconscious patients as part of their training. Hello. Private insurance, the economic disparities between private insurance and, and, and public insurance goes on and on. In 11 states in 2019, 11 states passed laws banning unauthorized pelvic exams and making it mandatory to have informed consent. Eleven states. It got to the point where they even created a Me Too movement out of it, Me Too Pelvic, as so many women came forward to say that they had been subjected to unauthorized pelvic exams. And listen to this. This is where I got the quote from. A Dr. Friesen, who is a bioethicist, went to a seminar, and one of her students said this. Look, look, Listen. I can put my hand in this woman's vagina because it helps with my training. I'm done. An unconscious woman is vulnerable and any exploration of her vagina amounts to rape. That's my story. My name is Harriet Kamek. Thank you so much for joining me. This has been Down to Earth. Thank you. Go to my website, HarrietKamek.com. As well as share this with your family and friends, I implore you to become proactive in your healthcare decision-making processes, as well as those of your family members. Please become proactive and know and ask questions. Ask the probing questions. Thank you so much. Go to my website, HarrietKemmerich.com, as well as my podcast on Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio. Share this podcast with others so they have access to this information that is life-changing and helpful thank you for your participation my good uh friend who joins me from the uk give him a shout out he views us from the uk on youtube thank you so much everybody have a peaceful thursday we're teal (laughs) thank you so much everybody be blessed thanks so much thank you i deeply appreciate your participation Thank you so much. Your contribution is invaluable. Thank you so much.